know.com clarity about reality alhamdulillah rabbil alamin we are now in double digit numbers in the month of rabi'ul akhir as i said this leaves us 6 months away from the month of ramadan it is my statement to myself and to you that we should begin the proper the proper preparation for the month of Ramadan because six months may seem like a large chunk of time. But as you and I both know, once the month comes, it will be here and it will come upon you unaware and you will be caught either being prepared or being unprepared. And the choice is yours on how you want to do so. Before I begin, inshallah, it was brought to my attention by a brother that there is an event from Syria to Palestine in light of the final hour that is being done by Sheikh Muhammad Yasin of Qasaid by the travelers, Al-Musafirin and Musafirun at the Islamic Center. So this is going to be taking place on the 24th of February after Maghrib at 5.30 p.m. Islamic Center is uh, 3 Curzon Street, Nottingham, NG31DG. Again, it's on the 24th of February after Maghrib, 5.30 p.m. All slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are invited. There's a telephone number that is on the advertisement as well, or the advertisement, however it is used. Uh, there's a number on here for anyone who wants to make use of it, inshallah. It will be here. I will place it here. And inshallah, the brother has permission to put it up on the reader board as well. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought us here for our next installment in dealing with Muslim governance. And Muslim governance is a huge area simply because of how many people are calling us to the doctrine of this is what the Islamic State is like and they're pagans that are on Fox TV or they're on CNN or Reuters or whatever they are on. They're saying this is what the Islamic State is like. This is what uh, Sharia is like. And then on the back end of that, you also have some of the slaves of Allah from among the Muslims saying, well, we need an Islamic state, we need uh, khilafat, and all these other expressions that they're using. So our issue is, what is the form, what does Muslim governance look like? So far, we have gotten to discussing what the era was in the beginning with prophets ruling, which was a process of selection, not election. Now we are coming to the period after Nabiuna Ilyas alayhi salam, up until the period of Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam. As I said, we were going from the prophet kings into the period of layman kings. So now you have kings coming unto the children of Israel in other areas that are no longer prophets. They are just kings. They're earthly kings. Because if we go back to Surah Al-Baqarah, where the people said, we want kings as the nations around us have kings. Nabiuna Shamwil alayhi salam warned them, but they insisted. And they had a righteous king. Then they had a prophet king, which was Nabiuna Dawood alayhi salam. And then they had another prophet king, Nabiuna Suleiman alayhi salam. And then after that, it carried on. But then they had new kings come in that were wicked and were evil and filled with hatred. And this created a confrontation between those who have divine right to rule in the temporal and spiritual realm, which are the prophets and their successors, and those who are ruling temporally without right, which are the earthly rulers and kings. The current era that we're in 
is the era of earthly kings and rulers. And it seems so strange to me, in light of what's happened in Egypt and everything else, that people are still happy with layman rule. They're still saying it's, it's time for us to get out there and rock the vote and everything else. We've had layman rule in this ummah since the year 1919 for the Kufar. And there's been 55 million people killed in a European civil war that was 60 years ago. 37 million killed before then. 40 million Muslims killed under Mao Zedong. 36 million Muslims killed under Joseph Stalin. 12 million Muslims disappeared during Hitler's rampage across Europe. You had 2 million Muslims killed in the killing fields in Cambodia and Vietnam. 300,000 Muslims killed in Burma in the early 1990s. And people are still saying we need more layman rule. We need more layman rule. I just, it's, it's, um, it's not as shocking as it is tragic. Now, in light of all of this, let us move into our topic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Al-Shura, the 42nd Surah 13, A'udhu billahi min al-shaytani al-rajim, Shara'a lakum min al-deen, we have legislated for you the religion. Ma wassa bihi nuhan walladhi awhayna ilayk, and that which was given to Nuh, and that which we revealed to you. And that which we ordained and legislated for Ibrahim and Musa and Isa. Ibrahim wa Musa wa Isa an aqimu al-deen wa la tatafarraqu fih kabura ala al-mushrikeen ma tada'uhum ilayh. And that which we legislated for Ibrahim and Musa and Isa is that you establish the deen and that you don't make cults therein. Great indeed is that which you are calling the idol worshippers to. Now, with that being said, from Ilyas all the way down, we came into a period, as I said, of layman kings. So now you had prophets who have natural and divine right to rule in the spiritual realm and the, and the temporal realms colliding with rulers. And this occurred and reached its apex in the year 596 BC of the pagan calendar in which the invading king of the north, King Nebuchadnezzar, came down and destroyed the northern kingdom and the kingdom that the children of Israel had and swept all of them into a Babylonian exile. During that time, Allah was still sending prophets to them. Nabiuna Dhul Kifal alayhi salam, Nabiuna Yirmaya alayhi salam, Nabiuna Yasha'ahu alayhi salam. These prophets that prophesied the exile and the period after the exile. They received prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, mentioning the exile and that it would come to an end and that they would be put back in the land. But that if they didn't listen, they would do corruption again and be expelled and vomited out yet again. So, they were put back in the land 490 years later. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them to build up the section that's in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, secondly. That was 490 years 
between the first time Nabiuna Suleiman laid the stone, the foundation stone, for, the, for what we're calling the Dome of the Rock and the Masjid al Aqsa. It was 490 years between that time and the time of when it was laid again the second time during an earthly king, which his name was Hurud. This time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put over them because of their wickedness again, earthly, fleshly kings. But he sent to them prophets. Nabiuna Zakaria was one such prophet. He was the uncle of Maryam as Siddiqa, who was the mother of Nabiuna Isa. Nabiuna Zakaria was the caretaker and custodian of Al Masjid al Aqsa in that area. And he asked Allah to give him a successor. Because some of the children of Israel were saying, we don't want these earthly kings anymore. We want to have true leadership, true kingship. Because the children of Israel had broken up into three camps. You had the Saddukim. Saddukim were a group of the children of Israel that were knowledgeable in in their laws but said there was no day of resurrection. The second group were the Parushim. The Parushim were a group who believed in the day of resurrection and looked after the law and were temple priests. The Parushim. These Parushim survived up until today and are called rabbinical Jews. It's this Judaism that's left over from the Perushim. Perushim means set apart in Hebrew. Number three is the Asinim or the Sadikim. These people that were set apart from society. They rejected much of the oral law and had some specific laws that were peculiar to themselves. And it was among that community that they survived today. And there were small pockets of them. Many of them have become Muslim or are living in isolated locations. In that environment, Nabiuna Zakaria alayhi salam preached the faith and an coming and a coming end to fleshly earthly kingdoms. He has his son, Nabiuna Yahya alayhi salam. At that point, he was born a little bit before Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam. A little bit before that time. And so he's his older cousin. And Nabiuna Yahya alayhi salam, he is coming unto the people, warning them. He's one of the fruit prophets we have who did not get married. He did not get married. He's warning the people. He's advising them and telling them to beware. But his life would be cut short. A woman by the name of Salome wanted to marry her uncle. So she's the niece. She wanted to marry her uncle. Nabiuna Yahya alayhi salam said, no, this is impermissible. And they put him in jail. He was later taken from jail and beheaded. And his head was put on a plate and shown in front of the people to, as a demonstration of the King Harud's power. Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam said, this will be the sign of the scattering of this people 
and that Allah will punish that nation. Let me give a little bit of a rundown to this. Nabiuna Yahya alayhi salam is murdered and his head and body are buried. If you want to see that, you go to a massive masjid which is called the Masjid Bani Umayyah, which is in Damascus. It's the largest masjid there. His body is buried there. When you walk inside the corridor of the masjid, alongside the corridor as you go in, his body is buried there. Also buried there are the bodies of dozens of the household of the Prophet Muhammad It's a fitting place for them because they're related. Prophets and the families of prophets, they're all related. After his death, Titus, the conqueror, the Roman general sweeps in, devastates the area, and declares the destruction of that area a national holiday. Now before that happens, there's a catalog of some three events. Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam, he is preaching the message and he is referred to by Allah to Maryam alayhi salam as al-Masihu, al-Masihu. That there shall be There shall be a word from him. And his title, his name, is Al-Masih, the anointed one. Isa ibn Maryam. He is anointed. Now, one of the things that tipped off the Saddukim, the Perushim, and Yasinim, is when they saw. One of the people in Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam's time take pure oil from the olive tree and pour it over his head. This immediately set off alarm bells. Why? Because the only time previous that that had been done had been the first undisputed king of the children of Israel, Nabiuna Dawood alayhi salam. So when they see this, this is the sign of divine kingdom, the divine Monarchy that's coming. So, this man is not just a prophet, he is a prophet king. This is the sign of this. Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam, he is taken up in the year 33 AD or Nisan, the month of Nisan, on the calendar of the children of Israel. He is taken up in that period. But in the Quran, there are three places in which it's promised that Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam shall return. One is Surah Zukhruf, the 43rd Surah, Ayah 61. Innahu la'ilmu lisa'ah. Indeed, he is a sign of the coming of the hour. There was the hadith in the Sahih of a Muslim, where the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, كَيْفَ أَنْتُمْ إِذَا نَزَلَ فِيكُمْ عِيسَ بْنَ مَرْيَمَ وَإِمَامُكُمْ مِمْكُمْ How shall you be when Isa ibn Maryam descends among you as a just judge, what imamukum minkum, and your imam is from you, which is an evidence of Imam al-Mahdi alayhi salam as well. So this set of prophecies was given. The children of Israel were scattered. Now, between Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was a period of 600 years, and Allah sent no messenger. And this was mentioned by the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in a hadith that is in the Sahih of Bukhari. He said, between I and Isa, there was no Messenger or Prophet sent. There wasn't any. There was a gap. 
of 600 years. And Allah mentions this in the Quran because it was a punishment. A fatra. A fatra means a gap. It was a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the world was left in its condition. Between Nabi Isa and the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, the world was left in its condition. It was forsaken because of its wickedness. And people kind of just ruled themselves. Some people lived aside by themselves and tried to manage themselves as best they could according to what Allah revealed. Other people said, we'll do what we feel is best. Other people said, we will conquer. Other people said, we will live in armies. Other people said, we will do this, we will do that. But everyone lived according to what seemed pleasing in his own sight. That's democracy. What every man feels is pleasing in his own sight. This seems to feel right. And this is the era just before the coming of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. أقول قولي هذا أستغفر الله لي ولكم أستغفر الله إن الله غفور رحيم رحمي الرحيمين. الحمد لله. الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده وبعد. In the area immediately preceding, brothers, you can come forward. In the area immediately preceding, نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم. That area, that period of time immediately preceding, we see that. All up until that time, the children of Israel and all other nations that had received prophets were ruled by prophets, prophet kings, or their successors. Outside of that, when they were left to themselves, they were ruled by wicked human beings. Their choice, but wicked human beings nonetheless. So we are coming up to the era where it's We've first gone through prophets, then prophet kings, then prophets again, and then we are coming to the end of the era of the prophets and their rule, in which we shall come into a new period. But that is something that will be discussed another time. What I want to close on now is the following. Nabi Isa alayhi salam's coming for the second time. And the institution and the ruling of this ummah, in fact this planet, in a divine monarchy, is an unavoidable reality. I want you to understand whatever ideas you have about liberty, individual rights, 1701 Act of Settlement, the Magna Carta, the 1689 Bill of Rights, the U.S. Constitution, Human Rights, the Hague, whatever understandings you have about that, forget them. Because they are part of an age that is passing away. They are part of a period that is soon to meet 
its demise. What you see around you with regards to the governing, the structure, the setup, where everyone makes his own decision in all affairs and has a right to choose his own leaders and everyone has a right to run for elections. I think I'd make a good president of this place. I think I'd be a very good satisfactory ruler over this country and I have the most credentials. Let's raise 300 million and let's run an election race. That period is coming to an end. Because just as the slime at the bottom of milk isn't chosen to be uppermost and at the top, in every society, the cream rises to the top. Recently, we are told that that is not the case. Cream doesn't rise to the top. And that we mustn't, take, we mustn't keep score in football games because if the kids lose, they might feel upset. And everyone's a winner. They're just the second winner rather than the first winner. We don't want anyone being discouraged. These kids aren't lazy. They're just differently gifted. These kids are gifted and advanced. They're extremely intelligent. These children here, they're not stupid. They just need for us to reach out to them. So we go away from the reality and the truth of recognizing that there are children who are faster and more gifted than others in sports. There are children who are more faster and are more gifted than other children in mathematics. There are children who are more gifted than other children in the soft sciences or the hard sciences or the earth sciences. We go away from that and we hope and try to our utmost to deny that cream rises to the top when you boil pure milk. So what do you wind up? You wind up with a society of needles. Everyone is just one thing. You slow the whole class down and make everyone into Nido rather than looking for the cream. One or two children start falling behind because they don't have what it takes to deal with the class. You don't let the rest of the class progress and give them counseling or tutoring outside of, no, no, no. We slow the whole class down. We see there's some children that are brilliant, that are sharp, we don't develop a separate curriculum for them within the classroom and give them leadership duties. No, no, no. You still have to go through the eye-wateringly torturous, boring curriculum that you've memorized the textbooks. We still have to go through this for the league tables. And we're happy when we brainwash some of the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to where the children they say, oh, they're doing so well in the league tables. Look at our school. It's at the top of the league tables. They can't even spell diploma. They can't even spell table. T-A-Y-B-L-E. They can't even spell table. But we're proud of the fact that we've got high league tables. This is the reality. So what I want to leave you with today is this. In society... From all of what we know, from every single revealed text that we have, cream rises to the top. The best of a people are always those fit to lead. And they are put forward by those who recognize that fact. It is not the case 
that the best man for the job is the one who crows the loudest about it. Because often, the best man for the job is the one who realizes the responsibility of the job and he doesn't want to take it. Uthman ibn Affan was forced at sword point to be the Khalifa. He didn't want to do it. But he was the best man for the job. He ruled for 12 years. He created a postal system where you could get mail from two weeks from Morocco all the way across to what is now China. You can't do that now with all the checks and all the balances and everything. So the people that are best to rule aren't always the people that are going to tell you or step forward because they are concerned about the realities. So number one is, as we said, societies have their best. And when you don't choose the best, when you go for peanuts, you get peanuts. You get peanuts. If you use corn oil, you only make popcorn. You don't, you don't cook anything. Number two, societies are not ruled and governed effectively and correctly and successfully, and they don't produce the greatness that we've seen by people simply choosing their way. Rather, it's by process of selection, not election. Number three, the era of prophets. In our time that we see, that's come to an end. So then who is in charge of the affairs? Number four, who is in charge of bringing about government? Because you go from one masjid to the other and there's, everyone has pamphlets for you. The local street pamphleteer. Brother, take this. You know, brother, it's an obligation for you to establish the Islamic State. SubhanAllah, the man just started praying. He was nightclubbing before and listening to Justin Timberlake. Now all of a sudden he's responsible for establishing the entire Sharia? This is the reality. This man's responsible for the entire revealed law. He, he hasn't even learned his stinja properly. Wallahu alam about his salah. He barely cleans himself. Yeah, you are responsible. For, it's the mother of all fara'id. What is this? Who is in charge of establishing this religion? Who is in charge of establishing these affairs? And then the final point I want to leave you with is this one. In response to the fact that Allah said to the prophets, establish the deen. Establish the deen. He did not say establish khilafah. He said aqimuddin, establish the deen. So then what does that mean then? An absence of khilafah, an absence of these other things, does that mean that necessarily khilafah and the deen are synonymous? Can one have sharia without khilafah? Is khilafah merely an instrument of sharia? Or is sharia necessary with khilafah? What is the truth in this regard? Over the remaining two khutbas that we have left in this series, inshallah, we want to try to unravel this. What has been said by the prophets? And number two, their successors, the scholars, what has been said? Because it's a fundamental issue that we need to understand with regards to how we should be working. Because there's disputes around these issues. A Muslim brother goes, he disappears in university, he comes back, everyone has to establish and work for Khilafah. What happened? What happened while he was gone? Something happened to him while he was gone. The brother goes, he studies, he comes back, all of a sudden something happens. He's got his degree and he's got his MD or he's got his BSc or he's got his BA and all of a sudden everyone has to work for the establishment of Khilafah or their Fasiq. We need to understand what's happened. 
What are these realities? We have a plethora of groups. We have a plethora of groups, I'll mention. And I'll leave you with this challenge. Every single group on the face of the earth, with the exception of one or two, almost every single group on the face of the earth that has been founded and said that they will establish the religion and the true faith of Islam has failed miserably. Every single one, with the exception of one or two on the face of the earth, has failed miserably. In 656 Hijri, or 1258, AD 1258, when the Khilafah was gone, it took four years, and the Khilafah was reintroduced. Four years. Four years of calling to repentance, and then after that, there were wars that reestablished this system again. Every single group, Ikhwanul Muslimin, and I, I'm not afraid to mention their names because I don't belong to these groups. Although they've all, they've all proselytized me. Jamaatul Muslimin, Ikhwanul Muslimin, Jamaatul Tabiq, Da'ut Islami, every single one of these groups has failed miserably. All of them, Hizbut Tahrir. All of them, Al-Muhajirun, Islam UK, Sharia for UK, they have failed miserably. So what does that mean? It means they don't have the formula to establish the religion. If they have failed so pathetically, so abysmally, if they are such catastrophic and superb failures that they do not have the key to bring Islam back, then who has the key? Obviously not them. Obviously not them. So you are not duty-bound because in 85 years, if they have failed to establish this religion in a systematic, global, worldwide way, they are nothing. They are nothing. Because the people that came after them, the Seljuks, the Ottomans, they established the religion within four years, between two to four years. Every authentic Jama'ah that has come has always established the deen within two to four years. They have not done it. They have failed. They have nothing. You are not to have anything to do with them. They are garbage. They're nothing. If they had anything, they would have raised themselves out of the sinful, miserable state that they were in, rather than making takfir on other Muslims or saying that they're somehow missing out if they're not them. Al-Murabitun as well. Irrespective of the respect I have for the fact that they have the gold dinar, they have failed miserably to raise the level and to establish that they have failed pathetically. They know it. I know it. The angels that record what I'm saying right now, they know it. I'm telling you this today so you understand it. I've been in here for the past 12, 13 years. And I'm only coming out with this now because I want you to understand it. Any true group that says, you need to follow us, we're going to establish Islam. And they fail within that window of time, they're liars. This is why I don't claim we are a jama'ah within Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah trying to give the people some knowledge about the faith, trying to give some people about knowledge of fiqh. Far be it from, it from us to try to take on the Superman task of establishing this deen and failing miserably. Because that's not our affair. That's not our business. So then, inshallah, next week we want to talk about whose business it is, how it's done, who will do it, how it's going to come to pass, and what you're going to see when it happens. And inshallah, if we live to do that, 
I want to leave you to go away with that and to think about it. Because every single group wants you to punch a card. You can't go to university, you can't go out to eat, you can't pray at a masjid without someone asking you to join their group. Republicans, Democrats, conservative, Lib Lam, all these different groups. They're the same thing. They're all political and they're all filth. All of them. And I challenge them to bring any proofs they have otherwise. Because I've, I've seen this from 1990 up until now. So we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides our hearts, protects us from going against that which he has divinely mandated. And that he also protect us from delving into affairs that do not concern us. وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا ورسولنا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم أجمعين الحمد الرحمن سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك إنه غفور رحيم الحمد الرحمن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير لا إله إلا الله ولا نعبد إلا إياه له النعمة والفضل والثناء الحسن الجميل لا إله إلا الله مخلصين له الدين ولو كره الكافرون لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم لا مانع لما عطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد اللهم اغفر لنا المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات والمحسنين والمحسنات والمجاهدين ومناقبات الأحياء منهم والأموات Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us for our sins from the last Juma up until this Juma and you make us better than how we came today. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from the wickedness of our own actions and the wickedness of shaitan who waits for the believers to fall into sin. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from the harms that have come from these failed groups but that we learn from their pathetic failures and we take lessons from that. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from sectarianism and join the groups and that we stay with the main body of the Muslims in Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from being broken off into splinter parties and political groups and other things that will fail and will bring your judgment and your wrath upon them. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from sin and that you protect us from being among those who wallow in their sin. Oh Allah, we ask that you take laziness from our hearts and cowardice and that you replace it with steadfastness and, and courage for your sake and your sake alone. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us among those who are good role models to those who may look to us. And oh Allah, we ask that you give us good role models when we look to find good role models. And oh Allah, we ask that you protect the hearts of the young among us with righteous and good, good emirs and people who are leaders over them. And O oh Allah, we ask that you protect the leaders over those young children so that they don't lead themselves and those children astray. And O oh Allah, we ask that you make us better parents to our children. And O oh Allah, we ask that you make our children obedient to that which we command them that's from your deen. And O oh Allah, we ask that you make us better siblings to those under our authority. And O oh Allah, we ask that you make us better husbands to our wives. O oh Allah, we ask that you make us better neighbors to those who might be living on the side of us, on the right or the left or in front or in back of us. And O oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from being those who are a fitna for Islam who may lead people astray. O oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from being 
being an excuse for those who reject faith from coming into the faith. And oh Allah, we ask that you make us from among those who are not an excuse on the day of resurrection to point at and say, this is not what a Muslim should be. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us courage and strength and make us among those who stand for this faith at all times. And oh Allah, we ask that you bless this ummah wherever they may be under whatever difficulties they are in and we ask that you bless them in their goodness or in their death with rahmah. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa rasulina Muhammad ibn Abdullah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa salma ajma'ina arhamir rahmin. Inna Allah yamurukum bil'adli wal ihsani wa ita'i fil qurba wa yanha'an al-fahshai wal munkari wal bayi ya'idhukum la'allakum tadhakkaroon inna al-salata tanha'an al-fahshai wal munkar wa ladhikrullahi akbar wa aqimu al-salah about reality. See more at know.com.